0: The French Secret Service hacks the exclusive Dutch mobile phone used by the underworld. Encrochat, as it's known, became a required tool for an estimated 10,000 UK criminals. But they've started to realize it's been cracked. A frantic message is sent out dump your phones. Today we had our domains seized illegally by government entities. We can no longer guarantee security of your device. You are advised to power off and physically dispose of your device immediately. All over Europe and the Middle East, drug barons, arms dealers, and assassins scramble to cover their tracks and get rid of their phones after their secret world is exposed by spy software.
1: My operational team described this as akin to cracking the Enigma code.
0: Some of those phones ended up at the bottom of Belfast's Lagan River.
1: I spoke to one criminal and he had said to me, you know, if you dredge the Lagan you'll find shopping trolleys and chat phones, including mine, because that's where his went. All British police forces were involved in Operation Venetic. So far they've arrested 746 suspects... They've seized more than £54 million in cash, two tonnes of cocaine, 77 firearms and 55 luxury
0: cars. Joining me to tell the story of how the EncroChat communications network was exposed, what impact that has had here in Northern Ireland and how it's led to new drug gangs coming to the fore is the Belfast Telegraph's crime correspondent, Alison Morris. Alison, once again, very welcome to The Bell Can you tell us first of all, this strange name, because I know that I hadn't heard of it, EncroChat. What is EncroChat?
1: EncroChat was a communication system. I mean, I would call it a mobile phone because that's what it looked like, but it wasn't a mobile phone. It was what they claimed, the, the people who had designed it, who were a Dutch company, were saying it was a military-graded encrypted communication system. It was based on communication systems used by um, armies and, and secret service agents around the world. And they had designed this on a commercial basis. And you can imagine that there are very few people who need something like that other than criminals. And so it became the communication system of choice for criminals across Europe, and they were being used in the Middle East, but mainly Europe.
0: There's a panic pin, which you can put in, which is the level behind this, and if that is put on the device, it will wipe any information stored on the device. But when you're sending messages, you can also select something called burn time, which will give a set amount of time from when you've sent the message to when it will be deleted from the recipients or from the recipients and from the sender's device.
1: The handsets themselves started at the very minimum price of one thousand five hundred pound for a six month contract, but went up. Um, Beyond that, there was people who maybe had some criminals, maybe would have had three or four encro chats on the phone on the go at the same time. So this was a very very lucrative business. There was absolutely nothing illegal in the technology, but the purpose it was being used for was almost exclusively illegal.
0: And the company who set it up and the business people who have set it up, we don't know who they are, and then Crochat has disappeared. That would seem to tell me that whoever set it up, it, it, they might have realised that it would be, to put it charitably, they might have realised it would become the criminal Communication of choice.
1: They, it was, you know, it was was not being marketed as anything other than that. It was being used almost exclusively by criminals. They knew that, but what had happened was that the the French secret service and intelligence agency based in France had spent, we were told, up to four years hacking into this system because they knew it was being used by hitmen, it was being used by criminals, it was being used, you know, in all sorts of of different organised crime groups and eventually they managed to get into it for 30 minutes, we were told it was hacked for and in that 30 minutes they managed to download almost half the data that existed on the EncroChat system and that included all the messages that were being sent from one criminal gang to another criminal gang. Um, And then that mess that that was gathered up and then it was sent out to law enforcement agencies right across Europe. Thanks to our uh, partners in the National Crime Agency and internationally we have been able to uh, hit the most
0: senior levels of organised crime. uh, Where it hurts most, getting people arrested,
1: seizing their cash, uh, stopping their distribution networks in a way that I have literally never seen before. Um, And it wasn't revealed that all this had happened. This had been going on behind the scenes. The law enforcement agencies had been looking at the legalities of using this information to start arresting people. They'd been going through it, they'd been going through the data because people use handles rather than their own names, but then they had been linking it up to certain individuals. And all of this had happened before it was made known. But at this point in time, on June the 12th, 2020, Anchor Chant users received a message saying that today we had our domain seized illegally by government entities. And at that point, the balloon goes up. You can imagine this causes panic in the criminal underworld What's going to happen next? The system has been hacked. How much information have they managed to achieve? They were told around half of the EncoChat handsets were compromised, but nobody knew which half. So,
0: uh, And these handsets, they look like mobile phones. They actually refer to them as carbon units. Which for me adds to the the mystery of the whole thing.
1: Yeah, I mean they look exactly like a mobile phone. I've seen an Chat handset, and it looks just like a, a mobile phone. Um, if you you know if you've seen someone use them, when you think they're using a mobile phone, but yeah, they refer to them as carbon units. You know they're not mobile phones in that they're not hooked up to any mobile phone network. You know you don't and you don't require the mobile phone network to make them make them work. Um, and so that's why that was all part of the, the encryption. But yeah, I mean, I, I suppose we refer them as anchor chat phones because that's exactly what they look like.
0: And as you say, the price involved in this, there was an awful lot of money involved in this. There seems to be no rational explanation as to why someone would invent this if it wasn't to be used by the underworld. And obviously this was an extremely u- useful piece of equipment, albeit expensive for criminals. Um, how long was it on the go?
1: It was on the go for many years. I mean, it was something that had been being used by criminals for a number of years long a number of years before it was ever hacked. I mean, we're told that the 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 operation to hack it lasted four years in itself. Um, and you know, this wasn't being used by petty criminals and petty thieves. This was being used by you know drug drug importers, you know drug smugglers, um, you know not by petty drug dealers. It was being used by hitmen for hire to hire people, and that was what was being used. And one of the very first arrests. Um, the Dutch police arrest six men in connection with a torture chamber that they found built inside shipping containers where a dentist chair which had handcuffs attached to it in a room that had pliers and drills and scalpels and all sorts of other things where they'd actually been taking people to them to torture this was high level criminality um, that these, these, these echo chat systems were being used for and that's um, followed right across Europe because we could see by some of the arrests and convictions to date, this you know they weren't being used by petty criminals. They were used, being used by serious organised um, crime gangs, and you know as as we see that when the National Crime Agency were involved in the operation in the UK, and so the PSNI got their share of the data. Every other police force in the UK got their share of the data, and the NCA was obviously the central body that was working along with them, and they said it was, you know, like being given a a seat at the table of every organised crime gang in the whole of the UK. All British police forces were involved in Operation Venetic. So far, they've arrested 746 suspects. They've seized more than £54 million in cash, two tonnes of cocaine, 77 firearms, including automatic weapons, and 55 luxury cars.
0: So can I just take you back a second? So the French intelligence service were trying to hack in for four years. Eventually they get in for a a period of a mere 30 minutes, but that was enough to gather an incredible amount of data from this system which which they can use. How long did it take EncroChat to find out, to realise...
1: We only know that in June, that was when they told their users. So they sent a message out, which was an emergency message, and basically we've been hacked, and at the bottom of it, it said, you know, dispose of, dump your carbon units. So they knew that that was it, the game was up, you know, it was over. Um, And they also then, say in this message, they all started destroying their internal system so that it couldn't be any further hacked and no further information could be taken from it. So at that stage, we're told there were 60,000 EncroChat units phones on the go so we can assume around 30,000 of them um, were hacked so there's 60,000 units 30,000 of them were hacked and around um, at this stage we're saying around 10,000 of them were active in the UK at that particular time so it was a massive operation to send that out to, to various different police forces it's um. I mean, 30 minutes, it seems, you know, this is James Bond type stuff. I can only imagine that the time that they spent preparing for the hack, the minute they get in, they had to, to trawl as much information as they possibly could. But I think that even, you know, the, the law enforcement agencies were handed it then, were shocked at the amount of information that they had received um, in terms of, you know, some of the operations that were going on. But also whether this could be used for prosecutions or not, it also revealed methodology. So it revealed how criminals interacted um, and also how they interacted with each other. And that's that particularly became interesting to me when it came to Northern Ireland and how they were de- they were de- dealing here because, you know, at that stage there was interactions being made via the anchor chat systems that, that cross political and religious divides, let's say. You know, criminals aren't particularly hung up on the border um, nor are they particularly hung up on, you know, loyalist or republican. You know, these serious criminals were operating, and they were operating, let's call it, in a very cross-community manner at this point. Um, and the, the systems were showing how they were operating, who they were interacting with, who was bringing the drugs in, then how they were being disseminated, where they were going, um, how weapons were coming in. So all sorts of information was being taken from from the from the data that was gathered from EncoChat. Some of that used for prosecutions and some of that just clearly used for intelligence going forward in order to heart various police forces dealt with these, these criminal gangs so I mean when we say it rocked that criminal underworld it really did
0: So the French intelligence service uh, they give this information freely to their colleagues across Europe or, or at least what they've chosen to, among them the National Crime Agency in the UK and then it gets passed to the PSNI, can you tell us more about the operations which uh, followed that?
1: The the PSNI operations, we have had one conviction so far. in 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 Britain, there's been two. There was two thousand arrests within the first year of the hack, and thirty one people were convicted. Um, in Northern Ireland, there's been thirty six defendants who have been. Um, prosecuted in relation to information taken from Anko Chat, and to date there's only been one of those have been convicted. Um, that is the drug dealer Sammy McKaig, who was admitted to importing cocaine and laundering cash using specifically using the Anko Chat network as part of his laundering system. Um, so in April of this year, Belfast Crown Court sentenced him to 18 months in prison for laundering. They were told up to two million pounds um, through a period of time he owned a. a a car dealer business, and that was being used along to the cash. So that is the first person who has been convicted. We're told that um, McCabe pleaded guilty because he was awaiting sentencing on a, another criminal charge, completely unrelated, and therefore it made no sense for him to fight the anchor chat system because the two the two periods of prison would fall alongside each other anyway. So there was nothing in it for him to go into, you know, a battle. But the rest of them, the other thirty five. Defendants, they're all waiting patiently to see whether or not this information is is deemed to be admissible in Northern Ireland courts. And there is a cloud hanging over that. Nearly all the convictions that have happened in the rest of the UK have been via confessions and guilty pleas. So, therefore, testing the evidence it becomes then a grey area because the the French have handed over all the information. But there are questions in relation to whether they will reveal, first of all, how they did it and then how they passed the information to the various law enforcement agencies. And that's became quite a big legal battle in France. It's, you know, headline news because one of the cases went all the way to the the French Supreme Court.
0: And that's, there's a difference, and we talk about it often, there's a difference between knowledge, and hunches and information and securing a conviction in a criminal court. And there's a whole range of issues, of course, around evidence and admissibility of evidence and people have have rights, et cetera, and when, frankly, secret secret agents get involved and secret intelligence services get involved, they can, as in this instance, find out the information, but that may not be, they may not have done that entirely legally and uh, obviously it mightn't be admissible for a whole range of, and they may choose to protect themselves and their organisation so that's where it gets very complicated
1: It does when it gets to, it gets to court because obviously you know, these people have very capable defence teams you're going to robustly defend them um, to the best of their ability and the first thing they're going to ask for is in relation to well how was this information obtained where did you get it from in France um, they're a Supreme Court had ruled that the French prosecutors and investigators failed to supply a certificate of um, to authenticate the intercepted phone data and that's required by French law. So that's, you can see hearts running into difficulties in France and they said there was also an absence of technical data about the intelligence operation. Um, that's very interesting but that applies to France. Does that mean that every case in Northern Ireland is going to collapse? No, it doesn't. You know what I mean what I've been told is the prosecutors here you know they took advice Prior to issuing charges against anyone, that they are still remain confident that these cases will stand up in court, but there are, you know, the defence have a clear. We can see what the very clear line of defence is going to be. So we have all of these alleged very high profile criminals. These are not people, you know, who, as I said, are alleged to be, you know, petty street dealers. These are alleged kingpins of of the criminal underworld, and they're just sitting back and waiting and saying, well, that one person go first, we'll see how that case goes, is the evidence admissible? If then, you'll see, maybe see some of them start to make deals with the prosecution and make pleas in terms of trying to mitigate their sentence as a guilty plea. But we're far from that. I mean, in, the, the, in terms of the admissibility of Anchorage Had Evidence in the UK, as I said, most of those cases have been guilty. In one case, a judge ruled that the evidence would require corroboration and that's very important. So think about this in terms of, you know, the police get this information, they go out to these people's houses at 6 o'clock in the morning, the door goes up the hall and they search the house. So if they were able to find other evidence of criminality, guns, drugs, other mobile phones, the Anchor Chat set itself, the handset itself, all of that's corroboration and all of that then is going to make it very difficult for anyone to plead not guilty. But in many cases, news was out that Anchor Chat had been hacked, and as you said, many of these handsets made their way to the bottom of rivers and the bottom of the lagging. And then in researching the story, I spoke to one criminal and he had said to me, you know, if you dredge the lagging, you'll find shopping trolleys and anchor chat phones, including mine, because that's where his went. So the police didn't find that. So they're relying solely in a number of cases, solely on the intelligence. And that's where it gets interesting. Is the court going to allow that in if the French refuse to reveal their methodology. The prosecution seem to think that they have and that the NCA have the case watertight. But, you know, the defence lawyers are saying that the National Crime Agency have to provide clarity on the lawful basis used to legally gather this information. That was said by Kieran Shields, who is a solicitor representing one of those charged, and he said that in court. You know, this is fine, but show me how this was lawfully gathered. Um, against my client, and then there are also there's other various ways that they can they can challenge it. So, EncoCheck Check customers used handles; they all had sort of you know appointed nicknames almost. So the prosecution first of all have to approve that that handle refers to that defendant, and that is something that they believe have done in thirty six cases. But clearly, they had information on numerous other people who they didn't think they could necessarily attribute those handles to, and that just forms intelligence rather than the basis for a prosecution. And also, then, as I said, corroboration. So were they caught with other items? Is there something else to corroborate the fact that this person is a criminal? But they will also be asking for a traceable chain. So show me from how you got this evidence, how it obtained. And then they'll call their own technical experts, which will say, well, this could have been corrupted or it could have been misused in a way in the transportation from French intelligence through the NCA to the PSNI. So they'll be asking for all of that. And that's why, you know, from someone like me, who's a crime reporter, well, these sort of things fascinate me. These are going to make really interesting test cases and something that I'll be watching with interest. But it is going to be like a game of dominoes because if one goes and if one's found guilty, the rest of them, I think, are going to very quickly have to start to think about what way they're going to handle their defence and are they better to make a guilty plea for a lesser sentence or risk... Receiving a really serious criminal, you know, um, lengthy prison sentence.
0: You mentioned intelligence, you know, apart from court cases, apart from possible convictions. If we, if we set that aside for a second, um, it must have had a huge impact on criminals throughout Europe. But we're speaking about here in Northern Ireland. Uh, what what influence would it have had, even apart from criminal charges on the on the scene here
1: well first of all there was the panic so that would have been initially the panic as in this has been being you know hacked all this information's in the hand of the cops quickly scramble get rid of the phone dispose of the evidence cover your tracks and some were better at doing that than others um, also a cause suspicion so if you were you were conversing on a weekly basis with someone you were doing business with in the criminal underworld through Anchor Chat and you're arrested on charges and that person isn't well, then there was suspicion. So there was people saying, how did that boy not end up charged when I know he had, you know, two Anchor chat phones or one Anchor chat phone? Um, and so there was a lot of that went on. So it caused a, a lot of suspicion. And for the police, when you're trying to disrupt these gangs, that was no, it wasn't doing any harm. You know, suspicion is a great thing within the criminal underworld, divide and conquer. Let them all start turning on each other. And then there was the fact that if you take those alleged, because all of these people have yet to be convicted kingpins out of... The equation, if you take people who were long-term, um, quite established people who were working in those sort of criminal underworld, specifically when it comes to the drugs trade, and you take them out of action, as Anchor Chat did, because most of them are on extremely strict bail conditions, they've tags on their ankles, they've curfews, you know, the police constantly checking up on them. That makes it very difficult for them then to, to re-involve themselves in any kind of criminality. And then it's a supply and demand business, the drugs business. Someone else is just going to come in and fill that vacuum. And that's what we have seen over the past couple of years since Anchor chat. You've seen the rise of these very young, you know, gangs who um at, at one stage would have been petty criminals and are now rising and being elevated to positions that they probably wouldn't have been for two things. One is the downfall of the Cinnahons. So... Once the Kinahans were taken out of the equation, the Kinahans can't move. They've had their bank accounts closed down. They're panicking that there's going to be a treaty between um, Dubai and the the south of Ireland and they're going to end up being extradited. You know, there's all sorts of issues. So the Kinehans' drugs that would have made up the majority of drugs that come in to this island and then made their way through through various methods um, and other people, they're gone. So it's people then with other drug supply routes are now rising to prominence. And then there's also the fact that these very young men see a gap in the market and they have moved in to fill that.
0: And there's two very specific gangs in Belfast that you believe have have filled this vacuum.
1: Well, I mean, we give these people ridiculous names just because it makes it easier legally for us <laughs> to talk about them. But there's usually a reason behind the names names that they're they're given. So we know that we have had two people who have been murdered in recent times. You know, and that's JD Donigan, Jim Donigan, and Sean Fox, who were both shot dead by distant Republicans. They were, you know, widely called members of the Marbella crew, the Marbella crew, because there's pictures of these people. If you know, look online, they're very easy to find. Of them, you know, on holiday, they like to go to Marbella. Remember, Marbella was the Holiday resort of choice for the Kinnearns before then, they that became too hot for them and they had to then move to Dubai, um, and so that would have been the sort of you know the very flashy gangstery style holiday, you know the very expensive holidays, and that's where they got that name from. But what we've seen is quite you know people who would have been quite sort of petty criminals, weekend dealers, if you, you like that. People like what we call the Tower Markers, who's a gang of very young men who have risen to prominence in recent times and, you know, are probably making more money than they know what to do with, more money than they know how to handle. And then in North Belfast, that drug market is controlled by a gang call the Gucci gang because of their, you know, love for very, very flashy designer clothes. And none of these people are hiding their money. They're being very flesh with their money, which is something that those sort of older more established drug dealers did not. They were very careful to hide their wealth and to play it down. Whereas, you know, these are are very young men who are making more money than they ever dreamed of and they're spending it. They're spending it in a very public way as are their girlfriends. So
0: finally, Alison, if these cases collapse, what'll happen?
1: There's two possible outcomes. So the possible outcome is, first of all, these people do get found guilty and this evidence is admissible and they, they serve quite lengthy jail terms, which takes them out of circulation per- permanently. But if these cases collapse, do these boys come back, start looking for their turf back again? You know, so we have these very young men who have moved in Um, on that drugs trade. This is a very territorial business. It involves high amounts of money. It involves high stakes. It is also people who, you know, have access to weapons. What happens then if they then decide that's it? You know, we're no longer restricted because of the anchor chat business. We're back in business again and we need these kids moved in out of our way because they're taking up our time, they're taking our money and they've taken over our turf. And that is something that I think, you know, as a crime reporter, we'll be watching going into the future. But it's also something you imagine that would be very, you know, live in the thoughts of the police who deal with these gangs. Is this is going to end up in some sort of drug turf war whenever these cases are over.
0: Time will tell. Alison Morris, Crime Correspondent with the Belfast Telegraph. Thank you very much. This episode of The Bell Tale was produced by myself Kieran Dunbar the sound design was by Graham Davidson. The clips you heard were from Euronews, Sky, the BBC and Channel 4. And if you enjoyed this podcast you can hear many more like it at belfasttelegraphcouk podcasts.